The scripture reading this morning comes from 1 John chapter 4, verses 1 through 3. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God, and every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. We are beginning a new series called Love Everybody because it's kind of a time of year where we have the convergence of two things in our calendar. We just celebrated Christmas, and in the Gospel of John, a kind of a theology way of talking about Christmas, we talk about the incarnation, that the Word of God became flesh and dwelt among us. And so we talk about this time where God enters into this world and lives a human life. And it's also the time of year where we all look in the mirror and we all make plans for ourselves and make resolutions about what our health is going to look like in the coming year. And I think resolutions are a great thing because, you know, it's a, it's, it's a way for each of us to, to make goals for ourselves, to try to be healthier. But there's also another temptation in the midst of that, and that is body shaming. Because we all get frustrated with our physical selves. And I know it's true for me. I have been in an ongoing frustrating struggle with my body for the last month or two about being healthy. Not having a cold anymore. Stopping that cough. No more drainage and fevers. And, and as our whole family tries to get healthy. You know, I, I realized on my Christmas vacation what many of you may struggle with for yourselves, and that's hearing challenges. I'd be in the room with family and friends and, and they'd be talking about something and I, my ear was just so congested I couldn't hear anything. And I'd be like, you know, sorry, I, I know you're talking normal, but could you please say that again? I just, I just can't hear you. And that's so frustrating and, and, and I feel for everyone in this space that, that feels that frustration uh, we all have our own aches and pains and joints that don't work the way we want them to. Uh, some of us, it's shortness of breath. Some of us, it's diagnoses that are recent that cause us um, a lot of heartache and a lot of pain, a lot of fear. You know, whatever kind of diagnosis you might be living with today. And whether it's something serious like that or it's just the everyday frustration about the size or the shape of ourselves, our skin tones and, and complexion, our, our skin smoothness or lack thereof, our, our own hair or lack thereof or the color of it, whatever it is, we often don't like the person that we look at in the mirror. And so we are in a season in which we are both proclaiming that Christ has come in the flesh and that God dwells among us and that we struggle with actually liking or loving our own physical selves. And I think we're tempted to believe a lot of negative things about ourselves and we put some of those negative things onto God. And so in the midst of the dilemma of what do I believe about this, this world, this physical world, myself, 
John gives us some advice. He says, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. I think we all could use that message. We all need the reminder to test the spirits, the ideas, the motivations of the messages we hear every day. We often lock ourselves into echo chambers where we hear only the messages that we like and and we keep hearing them over and over and we think that's just the way the world works. And we need to get out of that bubble. For some people that's you know, going to a different source for information, for news sometimes, not always going to one place. For others, that's going to make new friends, you know, go be around other people who've had different experiences than you. But John specifically has, for us, a special kind of test. How do I know that something is of God? He gives two kind of versions of the same answer in this text. He says first, Every spirit that confesses Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And that word, you know, that in the flesh language probably reminds uh, many of us in the space about the language from the Gospel of John's first chapter that in the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God. He was in the beginning with God and all things came into being through Him and without Him not one thing came into being and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And it's not just that the word became human, but the word became fleshly, became physical, became a part of the materiality of this world. And that confession might sound basic, and of course it's the Christian confession, but it's actually something that many people have had difficulty sharing and believing and living out. And while we today in our own modern times struggle to understand Jesus beyond just the human Jesus, that there's something more at work, that God and divinity is present, the early church struggled from the other direction. They understood the divine Christ, the Messiah figure who was saving the world and who taught who God truly was But their struggle was about understanding Christ as a human, as a physical person. And so I want to talk a little bit about how some of the early church historically struggled with the historicity of the physicalness of Jesus. Now, to understand this, we have to start first with understanding a broad movement that we're painting in really broad strokes that needs more nuance. But for the sake of this morning, Uh, We're going to talk about Gnosticism, Gnosticism that starts G-N-O-S-T-I-C-I-S-M. Gnosticism, if you think about in English, instead of that G-N starting letters, think about K-N of knowledge, knowing. Um, But it's it's a term that means some sort of knowledge. It's a system about knowledge. Uh, But in what we understand Gnosticism to be in that ancient world, There was a belief that the material world, all matter, all things that are physical, is evil. And if all physical things are evil, uh, that means that that humans and and all that we live in are around are plagued with being in a very corrupt world. Now, they often believed that 
there was some sort of divine reality beyond this physical world that was true and good, and that some other form of a creator, some lesser being made the physical stuff, and you need some sort of revealing from the divine gods or the God, depending on the system, to realize that your physical world is not all that there is, that you need secret knowledge to help un- like wake yourself up to the divine existence, to get yourself out of this physical plane and into a bigger reality. And so you need a savior figure who brings knowledge to wake us up to that um, sacred world that we can flee off to. Now, the Christianized versions of that system had a lot of influence and made a lot of headway with many Christians. Now, it was never the dominant, most popular tradition, but there were a lot of influential figures that were affected by it. And so the early church had to write a lot of responses to this kind of system. One thing, um, there's plenty of these different models of how it affected early church thinking and how the early church responded to it. But one thing for today, there was a movement called docetism. Docetism, just a fancy way of saying that something seems like something, that it appears to be something. And what it was was the idea that Jesus only appeared or seemed to be human. But if you take the notion that God is good and perfect and that all things that are physical are bad and evil, well, Jesus couldn't have been physical if that's the way you think because all the physical stuff is bad, is evil, is corrupt. So I can't say that Jesus was a physical human being. He just showed himself to look that way so we could understand him, but he wasn't truly human. And that's the docetist perspective, one that you can find in a lot of these kind of sensationalized gospel stories that maybe you hear about on a weird cable channel or whatever. Um, Things like Gospel of Judas or Gospel of Peter, some of those texts get um, sensationalized because people act like they have the same historicity as the gospels that you find in your Bible. Um, but those texts that have those kinds of docetist type perspectives are from a later period, and the early church saw those texts as not having historical accuracy in their claims about what happened in the life of Jesus, but also that, it, that their doctrines were not faithful to the gospel story that they had inherited. So they rejected them. And even though our churches have rejected these notions in which the physical world is automatically just a bad, inherent, it's inherently bad, and that all things that are physical, of course, they're just awful, we still have a lot of Gnostic or Docetist kind of perspectives that seep into our theology. For example, have you ever heard something that sounds like this? Christianity is about having the right belief. And so all that Christianity is is just, you know, I know that if I say Jesus Christ is Lord, that right statement, that right belief, if I say it, I get the unlocked eternal status of being an insider. And so I get to enter into the gates of heaven because I know the right confession to say. And that's all that matters is saying the right thing and the right knowledge. And my faith doesn't actually require me to do anything about the problems of this world because, you know, I'm just a citizen of heaven. I'm just passing through this place. And so the world can burn. I don't care because God is just going to make a new 
heaven and a new earth. What does this physical world matter? We need to understand our spiritual status. That kind of thinking is much, much, much more prevalent than we might give it credit for, but maybe you are in the room and you realize that you've seen that yourself. There's a danger in this thinking that rejects the physical world and rejects our physical selves because it misses the balance of who we are as humans, how God made us to be. And I want to just up front say we need to be aware of the danger of losing our balance about God's valuing of the physical world. For example, we could be tempted on one side to deprive ourselves If the physical world is all bad, what if I became like the most extreme version of a monk living out in the desert and didn't feed myself and did all these things because I want to spiritually purify myself, I want to be the best person, and so I'm going to deny myself everything physical. And into the even most unhealthy versions of this, we're talking eating disorders. You know, that kind of physical depriving of yourself loses out on the beauty and the goodness of this physical world that was created to be enjoyed. And we can fight ourselves in this world so much that we can be fighting God's goodness that he's made for us. While we might be inclined to deprive ourselves too much, we can also be tempted to overindulge ourselves. And that we can just go into licentiousness of just you know, if the, if the bodily world doesn't matter, if physical things don't matter, then who cares what I do? I can eat anything I can want. I can uh, have any physical interaction that I want. And Paul deals a whole lot with this. Who cares if it's permissible? I want to know if it's good. What should I do? And so we are tempted to harm ourselves by overindulging if we don't rightly value the physical world as well. And so whether it's overindulging or it's depriving ourselves, we have to walk the right kind of balance about understanding ourselves and the world around us. And I think John asks us to, be, to remember the incarnation, to remember that the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And so John gives us this confession. If you want to know what is true, what is from God, John says, every spirit that confesses Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And I think that coming in the flesh means accepting limitations and boundaries of being. That the divine wisdom became flesh means that Jesus got thirsty. We've got stories of Jesus being thirsty at a well. It means that that Jesus had fevers. And I'm sure that he had stomach challenges of nausea and vomiting. And that he grew tired and needed to rest and, and probably had weight fluctuations and had body odor. All of those things that we're afraid to like acknowledge about ourselves and about what it is to be physical, those are just natural parts of living and being human. 
And Jesus experienced all of those things. And we are made both as physical and spiritual creatures interwound into one identity. And God did not hide from taking on flesh, but created flesh, redeemed flesh, and ultimately will renew flesh. And I want to point out that there are certain frailties about our physical existence that we hope pass away, that our faith is in the transformation of those things. We hope that our bodies will no longer deteriorate and die, and that we long for permanence and health. And so there are things about our physical existence that we do hope might one day vanish and disappear. But we were created as beings who are both physical and spiritual. And to deny our physical selves is to reject a part of who we were created to be. To deny our physical selves is to reject a part of ourselves which God redeemed and took a part of God's self. Redemption came through a life with physicality, with birth and life and abundance, but also with pain and death. To deny our physical selves is to reject the Christian hope and a resurrection and that all things will be renewed. And that hope is that there's the valley of dry bones one day being brought to life again. Every spirit that confesses Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. John adds another side to this confession. Every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. Now, that might sound like maybe just the exact same way of saying what we had already said before, um, but there's a little bit of nuance, I think, here. This time, he's, he doesn't talk about the Christ or, or coming in the flesh. It simply says every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. We must confess Jesus, the human being, as a part of our understanding of the world. Your theology cannot simply be about God at work without reference to Jesus, the human, and still be Christian. I, I love that there's a manuscript tradition. Um, sometimes, you know, differing manuscripts that we have uh, sometimes it doesn't necessarily make a huge deal. But there's a version of this which I don't think is the oldest version. I don't think it's the most historical, like going the furthest back in time. But I think actually captures what's happening in this verse really remarkably well. Uh, one version of this text, instead of talking about confessing Jesus, says this. Every spirit that does... Instead of every spirit that does not confess Jesus, it says every spirit that dissolves Jesus is not from God. And I love this image of dissolving Jesus. Every spirit, every idea, every theology, every doctrine that dissolves Jesus from the physical human being who walked amongst us into something only spiritual, only divine, is not from God. There is something integral, crucial, vital about the physicalness of Jesus walking this earth that is essential. 
Every spirit that dissolves Jesus is not from God. And in this series, we're gonna look at all of the ways in which Jesus in the flesh and the church in the flesh matters and matters to our daily life. But I wanna first mention here that the community that 1 John has written to and written from is very serious about the grounded historical Jesus at work in their own physical lives. Listen to the physical experience evident in the very first verses of 1 John. It says, we declare to you what was from the beginning, what we have heard, what we have seen with our eyes, what we have looked at and touched with our hands concerning the word of life. This life was revealed and we have seen it and testify to it and declare to you that eternal life that was with the Father and was revealed to us, we declare to you what we have seen and heard so that you also may have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. What a beautiful image of these people having physically experienced God at work in their lives, and what they've seen and heard and touched. And what that did, what God was doing, brought them closer together as a community, both between humans and closer to God, so that joy might be complete and balanced. Do we often see our physical selves as part of that divine story? We don't just need spiritual hands and feet, we also need to cultivate our physical ones too. And so, in this series, love every body. Of course, love every single person, uh, but there's a space between every and body on purpose. Love every physical part of creation, every person, every, every place. Love, love the creation that God has given us. And we're gonna look at the the, the physicalness of the gospel story. We're gonna ask why did Jesus heal people who are going to die still? We're gonna talk about God's welcoming of people born with all sorts of bodies, about Jesus having uh, eating and drinking parties, about death and resurrection and so much more. And so I hope that in this season and this sermon series, that you might be contemplative, you might reflect on our calling as Christians, that we might look for ways that Jesus' experiences are shared with our own, that we might look for ways that God is calling you to affect the physical world around you, that we might work to accept God's loving embrace of every body, which includes your body. And so in closing, I wanna read a, a benediction that's often attributed to Teresa of Avila, which I don't think is actually historically accurate. But she was an important figure that, that people found that this, this quote fit well with. Uh, but I think the quote is itself 
meaningful and useful for our contemplation as a group in this series. Here's what the quote is. Christ has no body but yours, no hands, no feet on earth but yours. Yours are the eyes with which he looks, compassion on this world. Yours are the feet with which he walks to do good. Yours are the hands with which he blesses all the world. Yours are the hands, yours are the feet, yours are the eyes, you are his body. Christ has no body now but yours. Would you pray with me? Lord, we have all had different journeys with our bodies. Some of those with more health, some of those with less. Lord, I ask that no matter what our experience of this physical world has been, that you might create a gratitude and appreciation for this world that you have made and that you have redeemed and that you will one day renew. Lord, I pray that we would not just be physically focused, but we would learn how to find our spiritual selves in the midst of our physical selves. But Lord, I ask that you'd help us to find balance in our lives so that we cultivate and that we, that we uh, are mindful of all that you have made us to be. Jesus, it's in your name that I pray. Amen.